More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 5 DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my lovely co-hosts, Mr. John Daigle, Mr. Pat Corain. How you doing, boys? Doing good. Doing well. Fresh off an exciting week. I ended up texting Corain on Sunday right after the slate because it felt like combined we had the right pieces, but it turns out that neither of us really combined each other's pieces. So came a little short, but that's okay. It doesn't frustrate me when you miss out on a situation. Like, for example, my biggest miss was Zach Moss on DraftKings being the same price as Kieran Williams and Kieran just burying him. I don't mind missing out on that because I, I understood the process of what I was getting into. And I felt like I would play that like seven or eight out of eight out of ten times again. So that doesn't hurt as much as like the week prior the Bills' cash defense scoring 29 points and ending us that way. Last week was okay. It was tough for me because I had Kyron Williams and Puka on a team, and then an, and that team um, was an Anthony Richardson team, but it had other pieces that didn't didn't work out. And then I had the Fields team put Zach Moss on that team. So if I get – we just moved some things around, and uh, it would actually worked out pretty well. Let's just say I was searching for my Kyron and Puka best ball teams by the end of Sunday. Uh, that's that's how <laughs> that's how days. it was going. Yeah. yeah, but 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 cash game cash games are keeping us afloat. If you're rocking cash with us on Sunday mornings, we've been crushing in cash. So uh, that's keeping us level. I finished sixth in the battle royale uh, last week. That. So that yeah, that was nice. That it was like I only fire. I didn't fire like that much at it and so it was one of those things where i kind of was doing what you were doing tj i was like well let's check on the best ball team i was like oh <laughs> this is actually all right uh, a quick quick little um side road here how deep are you going on your um battle royale teams like beyond adp well this one so i tied for six so this actually mm -hmm. this was a reason i duped you know so this is a reason yeah. to scroll down because you get right, right. When you get yeah. like that good of an outcome you want to you know, be solo. And I wasn't. So just a reminder, you do want to scroll down. I, I don't know. I haven't been scrolling down a ton. Like this week I'm scrolling down for Judy. Like you just got to scroll oh, like really far yeah. to see Judy. Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, this seems far enough, but people that are in the streets a little bit more would probably be I, like, maybe that isn't far enough. I actually don't know. No, I mean, if, if you listen to our preseason pod, we said that that is one of the DFS alternate games we should be firing at. So, um, you know, that's not what the people are here for, so we won't get uh, too deep into that. But, I mean, there's definitely an edge there to be had. Um, but let's get right into it. As always, um, going into the week, one of our our uh, biggest guides for game-by-game -game is Karain's walkthrough uh on legendary upside uh we will hold off on the cover boy because we're gonna get deep into that um but pat any highlights from the walkthrough that you want to touch on before we get into the most popular games this week 
Well, yeah, I think we'll get into um I actually did I realized we we didn't have anything on the Broncos and the Jets, I don't think, in the top. So that'll be my game to to touch on. But that's one where I was like, oh, everyone's gonna go there. Cause I was like, because in my circles, you know, everyone's like all excited about about Brees Hall and stuff. But it seems like maybe not. So that'll be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. As always, um, if you guys uh, haven't signed up for the 444 subscription yet, uh, you have a uh, code by watching this podcast on YouTube. Promo code is YouTube. Save 25% uh, by going to 444.com slash plans, signing up for the DFS subscription. And once you're signed up for a DFS or betting subscription, upgrade to the solver, the best optimizer in the game. They got the Sims rocking over there too. Uh, everything will automatically be integrated with all 444 projections, points, ceiling, ownership, all that good stuff. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Links below to that as well as to Pat's walkthrough to legendary upside. Uh, let's get into it. we got a couple shootouts, uh, of, a few uh, big spreads, and only a 10-game slate. I, these short slates are, are, are fun because a lot of times we'll get some um, very concentrated ownership, so it gives us some very clear leverage opportunities, and I think we will definitely uh, get into some of those. Uh, Pat, let's start with you. The uh, big game of the week, at least in terms of team total or game total i'm sorry is the chiefs at the vikings 53 point over under their chiefs favored by three and a half with the 28.25 total uh as you noted in the walkthrough uh teams don't blitz mahomes much um he's only had 19 dropbacks all season where he's faced five plus pass rushers uh but brian flores will bring it against mahomes and he has done that before so how do you see that playing out with um maybe the vikings sending a, a little more pressure at mahomes than he's used to and uh what does that mean for some of the ancillary pass catchers obviously we got kelsey um but we got some targets per route run data that that might point us to uh some good plays here yeah so i went back and looked just one game but but brian flores played mahomes in 2020 and he did blitz him uh, but some there was 59% of dropbacks, um, which is right below the Vikings 62% rate uh, that they have this season. And the Vikings are leading the NFL in blitz rate. So it was a lot. He blitzed them a lot. Um, and that kind of worked. Mahomes threw for three interceptions, but he also threw for 393 yards and two touchdowns and a 33 to 27 win in that game. So I don't know. I'm hoping Flores like feels like, you know, I just we just gotten there on a couple of those blitzes that my plan would have worked because it, it led to big plays for Mahomes. And I think it could lead to big plays uh, for Mahomes again, particularly because the Vikings don't really get to the, the passer with their typical pass rush, which probably explains why they're blitzing all the time. So um, I think Mahomes has some real potential for a big plays here. Obviously, he always does Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, it hasn't been the most impressive season for Mahomes so far. He's, he's been a little bit below his usual standards. So this would be a spot where you could really see him crushing. Um, and then the way to play it ideally is Travis Kelsey, but then the things get very expensive all of a sudden. So Rasheed Rice is the guy that's popping for me as just like, God, he is getting targeted at such a high rate when he's on the field. He has a 32% targets per route run, which is amazing. Uh, it's just below Kadarius Tony's 33%. But one of the things I was noting in the walkthrough is that these guys are getting there two different ways. Tony's getting there because he gets screens and design, like truly designed touches. Rasheed Rice is getting a lot of first read targets, which, you know, in some sense are designed that, you know, he's the first read in the play. But that's like a traditional wide receiver 
way of getting kind of design targets. Like the offense is, is working like a typical offense and Rasheed Rice is getting fed the ball. I think ultimately his first read target rate, although it will probably decline with more playing time, is more stable than Kadarius Tony's. Like Kadarius Tony's playing a full slate of routes. You're not going to get screens on a third of the plays, you know, whereas Rasheed Rice, maybe on a fifth of the plays, he is the first read if he can get out there. So I, I don't know how much playing time Rice is going to see. My guess is he probably runs like 55% of the routes or 60% of the routes if we're lucky. And so that's tough, but he is the dude that if he gets out there a little bit more in a good matchup, I think could have a really good game. Yeah. I think we we're saying this with either JSN or Addison last week. Like once they get to the, whatever, 70, 80% uh, route participation, it's gone, right? We're, we missed it. So we need to be ahead of it anyway. So like the, you know, even at 50%, like that's pretty damn good in this spot against the Vikings. Like we, he, he can still pop there. The concern with the chiefs is always the combination of price and ownership. Like we, we want to get the discount on the ownership. It doesn't look like we're going to get it this week, except for maybe rice early in the week. Like I, I had an early double digit ownership projection on rice on DK. Cause he's so cheap. I think we might see that pulled back a little bit. Um, particularly because of the Amonra St. Brown injury. It's going to open up some cheap lines there. So I think we get a little ownership relief um, on Rice there, hopefully, if, if we are stacking this game. But always the concern with the with the high salaries on the Chiefs. It's always just hard to play them. Uh, Daigle, on the other side, this is a game that's matching up two teams that uh, are very pass-happy. That's why we like it. That's why we have the high uh, over-under. Minnesota third in passing rate over expectations, as you noted on the podcast with Paulson this week, that Cousins basically plays to his competition. And if that holds true, then the Vikings should have some some passing goodness for us. Um, we all know it's Justin Jefferson's show every single week. TJ Hawkinson has a target share over 20%, but he's, he's expensive. Um, kind of goes against, like what like again, expensive guys in this game. It's really tough. If we're trying to get unique in this game, is it is it stack Kirk? Um, do we throw darts at Addison? I, I mean, what do you see being the unique side of, of the Minnesota side, if there even is one? I do think it's a double stack Kirk kind of week, as you mentioned, because the Vikings are just punching up or down based on their opponent. Over 25 fantasy points against the Eagles and Chargers for Cousins, and 16 and a half in week one against Tampa Bay, and less than 10 this past game against Carolina, as the Vikings, even on their opening drive, drove the field, then get inside the five-yard line, and Cousins, of course, throws a pick six and lets $2,500 Panthers defense get there. Uh, But yes, the way it works out contextually in DFS it just makes more sense to go to the Viking side because of what you can then do on the opposite with the Chiefs. Whereas both of you already broke it down. Try. Everyone just go out there right now. Open up your app and put Mahomes, Kelsey, and Jefferson in a lineup. See how far you get beyond those three. You can't. You can't afford anything else. Whereas with even premium Cousins double stacks, and I do think there's a reason to go to Addison back in this game. Yes, KJ Osborne is still running more routes in every single game, but we also think the Vikings will have to keep up and thus Addison will be on the field more logically. So we take those darts in tournaments. But and he's go- he's getting targeted so much like if he runs fewer routes than Osborne, I don't care. He's running enough routes. I don't even need he- him to break out. Like what if I just say 
I'm playing tournaments. What if he gets lucky like in week one where coverage breaks down against the Bucks? What if he uh, scores one long big touchdown? That's all he does in week two. I'll take that. I'll gladly play that at 5,300 on DraftKings. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And again, you can afford Kirk, Jefferson, and Hawkinson. Hawkinson acting as a blocker to Kelsey and cheaper. So you can do that. And then you can pick where you go with the Chiefs because you can do Rice for all the reasons Karain mentioned. You could also do Pacheco as a unique way to get there because Pacheco. Yeah. Pacheco's coming off a career high, not season high, a career high 77% of the Chiefs' backfield touches. Like, now he's getting everything. McKinnon, everyone keeps trying to squeeze in on passing downs. The fact is McKinnon's averaging three touches per game. He doesn't matter at all. Maybe he luck boxes into a touchdown inside the five-yard line, but this has now become Pacheco's backfield. And so that's how I'm kind of looking at it based on Pacheco's salary on both DraftKings and FanDuel tool because he's so cheap. So I think elite and premium cousins double stacks is how we get here this week. Yeah, I like that. Um, speaking of Pacheco, again, early in the week, we had a relatively high projection on him. Like he'll probably still come in the low, low teens, um, maybe even like 11 or 12. But if we look at the guys around him, um, HN, Brees Hall, um, Dave Montgomery is a little more expensive. Um, but uh, James Conner, like they're all going to cannibalize each other's ownership a little bit. I don't think like HN is going to be, we'll get to that, but HN is going to be the one that runs away with it um, in that price range. But uh, yeah, Pacheco is the unique way to get there. I mean, if we look at the, either of you guys can answer this. If we look at the, the touch shares, Madison is one of four backs that has at least 70% of the backfield touches in every game. It's easy just to be like, oh, he's the leverage on everybody because everyone's going to be popular and everyone's playing the passing games. Chiefs are fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And I mean, Akers is, is still kind of creeping. He didn't get a lot of work, but he got some work. Is there any credence to Madison leverage here? I personally don't think so because I'm trying to project and... It was also a season low in snaps for Madison, a season low in share of backfield touches for Madison. And he did run nearly double the routes, 11 to Cam Akers, six. But Akers earned another target because that's kind of the issue is Madison is struggling to be a, an efficient player. Uh, so it's not for me. So, Crane, unless you can sell me on that. No, I mean, I think it could get there just like if he scores enough touchdowns. But, you know, it's like... The yards per route run for Madison is 0.62, which is RB38. And we just saw Akers come in and steal some targets. So like I'm out. <laughs> like that's I don't I don't have any interest in a guy who's fragile in the receiving game in this matchup. Yeah, I don't know if this is a bad omen for Madison, but um last week's FanDuel Sunday Million winner actually had Cam Akers in the flex with like four FanDuel points. He, he just saved salary. So um maybe that's just like a, 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 a the football gods telling us not to play Madison. Uh for cash game purposes, I mean everyone here is kind of a fringe play. Pacheco's 6600 FanDuel, 5700 DK, like I said, a lot of running backs in that range. Kelsey's obviously very expensive, top tight end option um on FanDuel in terms of value. Not even going to mention his price because it's annoying on Fandle. Uh, Rasheed Rice is a punt option on DK. Mahomes top two quarterback value on Fandle. And then Jefferson, if you could fit him, he's always a good value, but he is super duper expensive. Uh, let's move on to the Eagles at the Rams. 50 point 
over under. We'll start with the Eagles side here. They're favored um, on the road. Daigle, 27.75 team total. Uh, this is a really tough spot on the Eagles side, at least from a tournament perspective, because kind of all the things like we're used to from teams like the Chiefs, we see with the Eagles. Um, everybody's expensive and everybody's going to be high owned. So like the only dude that stands out as a contrarian option on, at least in the passing game, is Dallas Goddard or like maybe we just hope that Devontae Smith gets lost in the shuffle. But right now they're all projecting for double digit ownership. Um, and I mean, the, the only like thing going for, for Goddard is that the Rams are 27th and schedule adjusted points allowed to tight ends, but that's very weighted by them just giving it up last week to both Colts tight ends. So, I mean, um, I, I don't know. Um, what, what do we do here with this, with this high salary, high ownership passing game? What makes this such a tough week too, is you not only have the decision to make on a Chan and maybe it is as simple as just rostering him. If Jeff Wilson's active, I think I would, beg to differ given the other elite options in his range that you discussed earlier, but also because you kind of have to pick the top heavy stack you go to. Like once you get to Jefferson or once you get to Tyreek Hill, you can't just fit in Cooper cup and Nakua. Like it's not that simple and you can do that. It makes sense, but then you lose the others. So you really have to get your premium options right this week, especially since running back just doesn't matter. Like, Oh, Hey, here's Bijan. And that's about it. Because when Tony, when Tony Pollard and Christian McCaffrey are down to the slate, everyone just goes down at running back. You didn't have to decide which receivers to pay up for instead. Uh, so yeah, it's it's tough. It, it's honestly tough. Even DeAndre Swift continues popping in optimals. But although he scored the rushing touchdown last week, we know he doesn't get carries inside the five-yard line often enough. And previously, he wasn't getting targets. He did sneak in with three in the first quarter last week, ended up with five. But overall, usually they weren't even using their running backs in the passing game. So it's just tough. I think I'd stick with A.J. Brown in this case, who has separated the past two games. Now on the season as a whole, 43 targets to Devontae Smith's 29. Um, but I think I'd look to the, the Rams side and just try to run it back one time. Even if that's with Dallas Goddard instead of Tyler Higbee, try to get unique like that. But I think I'm more interested in the Rams passing the ball as opposed to the Eagles. Yeah, and... Yeah, I mean, and like they're like I said, all these guys are going to be owned. They're not going to be super chalky, but um, I mean, right now we have Brown in like that ten to fifteen percent range, basically at the same salary as Jamar, who's going to be right now projecting over twenty percent. Um, so you are getting like some ownership relief if you play AJ instead of Jamar, but it's just like you're not getting single digit on on these guys here. Um, on the other side, on the Rams side, Crane. I mean, the most obvious. Uh, talking point here is that Cooper Cup's expected to come back. I actually love that he's expected to come back because it's just going to depress all of their ownerships. Like I, I think I, I would expect Cup and Puka just to be around that like seven and a half, eight percent range. And Puka got a salary bump. He he's 7,700 on, on DK, I think. Um, but the Eagles are like a crazy pass funnel, at least so far. Uh, so how does Cup impact um puka and and the other players really i mean tutu was a buy low for a second um is this just a, a matter of hoping pass protection holds up and this game shoots out yeah and i really like this game environment i think you know it's one where the eagles should have a lot of success through the air and i think you know the rams obviously getting cooper cup back is, is pretty big but the big question is can they get the ball out quickly and 
if they can, this is like a pretty beatable Eagles secondary. So, you know, and, and the Rams, like, that's that's kind of what they're doing. Like, th- this was the question last week, and we saw Puka have a, a really big game. It's not all that dissimilar of a setup where, like, you know, compared to the Colts, where you can beat the Colts secondary. They have a decent pass rush. Eagles have a decent pass rush. So I think probably we're going to get, like, who knows how much Cup, right? But to whatever he can give us, we're going to be seeing a lot of first three targets for Cup, a lot of, like, shallow intermediate routes. And then we're going to see a lot of that from Puka, too. And that's probably how this offense is going to be designed this week. Like, those two guys are, one, their best two wide receivers. But, two, I think that that shallow intermediate skill set is what fits this matchup the best. So I'm worried about Tutu. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in how many routes he runs because like I've just like followed football enough to know that Sean McVay is going to leave Van Jefferson out there enough to make me mad, you know? And it's like, if Van Jefferson's out there, Tutu's probably the guy coming off the field and his route participation is probably going to be lower than we would like to see. But I bet Puka's out there a lot still. Like, yeah, I bet he's running a full slate of routes, even with cutback. Cup being back also, I think, makes me more interested in Stafford. Like, he hasn't thrown a lot of touchdowns, right? When they're trying to figure out which routes to keep Cup in for, I think those those goal line routes are ones he's running. You know, that's been uh, kind of his bread and butter uh, throughout throughout his career. You know, he, he's just, like, able to separate around the goal line so easily. So, I think we could see a little bit more upside for Stafford. Maybe, you know, I would love if, if Kieran was – was a little bit more popular um, because, you know, he's someone that, that maybe this isn't a great week for, if he's not going to have the the touchdowns, maybe this, the touchdowns go to Stafford. So I really like the idea of kind of playing this through the Rams. Um, Goddard is an interesting bring back AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are obviously both really enticing, but, you know, just picking your Eagle and playing it through the Rams is pretty, uh, I, I like that approach. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying this is, obviously I'm not saying the Rams are the Dolphins, but from a DFS stacking perspective, this is very Dolphin-esque in that we're probably going to get a very concentrated target share between Pook and, and Cooper Cup, but they're both priced as top seven wide receivers. If you take a Monra off the slate, they're both both priced in the top six. Um, so doubling them on DraftKings is almost out of the question. On FanDuel, it's a little more viable. Um, if we are on DK and assume similar ownership between Cup and Puka, and, and the salaries are within 800 bucks of each other, on DK, do you guys have a preference of who you would single um, Stafford with? I've been sorting through this as well. I, I do want to be ahead of Cup. I can't shake the three to five times, literally, Sean McFay said, leading up to Cooper Cup being activated. And this stems all the way back to September that whenever Cup would play, he would be 100%. And now we have rumors about his snap count and everything. I Especially based on how reporting has gone this year, I really just want to ignore it, honestly. I think it's more for recency bias if McFay was telling the truth a month ago. So I do actually want to be ahead of Cup here. But again, I'm still trying to figure it out. I almost kind of want a single Stafford and cup and then be able to afford everything else around it. Because if, yeah, if that's the case, then we still get the equity from Puka from Stafford. I'm, I'm genuinely trying to figure it out since Stafford is so cheap on DraftKings and like that quarterback range, we don't mind living in anyways, if you're not playing 
Kirk Cousins or Anthony Richardson? I probably like I I think I will probably end up on Puka over Cup just because of the salary. Like I I lean Cup. Like I would rather have Cup, but like so it's nine hundred. Like that I think I might need it. You know, and it's it is a tight week. But remember, Cup was ten K last year. Cup was the McCaffrey of wide receivers. I was just gonna say this. My my FOMO my FOMO says that like this not only is the last time we're gonna get cup at sub nine K but this might be the last time we get cup at single digit ownership all year. Um, that's the thing. Well, that's that I, a great um, point too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great game environment. Um. I I think um it is probably a better game environment than the game with the higher total. Um, I, th- I think this is a fun one to attack uh, for cash games. Jalen hurts is in 90% of optimals on FanDuel. Obviously easier to fit expensive quarterbacks. There Stafford is a top three quarterback value on both sides. Top DK quarterback, uh, Deandre Swift and AJ Brown, both in that like fringe cash game range. But as Daigle mentioned, uh, Deandre Swift is probably a little too thin. I, I would say way too thin for cash games right now. Um, those are really the only two games that project high with a close spread. All the other games we have uh, pretty big spreads, starting with the Dolphins, 12 and a half point favorites against the Giants. Who, and before I move on to that, I should mention both of those games are late window games. Um, so everything we just said, like we're late swapping like crazy, depending on how we're doing. But uh, this Dolphins game is early against the Giants, 12 and a half point favorites, 30 point team total uh, for the Dolphins. Um, not to be uh, uh, underrated news, uh, Karain, Teron Armstead on IR. Um, that can be a, a huge blow. Maybe it doesn't come into play here because Giants are just atrocious. But how do you see that Teron Armstead injury impacting this game? And um, on top of that, like, are we just concerned that because Giants are so bad that Tua and the pass catchers are just limited because they just don't get pushed this game? That's my bigger concern this week. Um, I think, you know, Theron Armstead being out on IR could definitely be a problem, uh, like longer term for the Dolphins. But I, I don't I don't really have that much concern about the Giants. They have a decent pass rush, so maybe that's disrespectful. But um, Connor Williams should be back, I think. He was practicing all week limited. Um, so that would be helpful for the, the Giants – or sorry, for the Dolphins um, – the the other thing is that they didn't have Armstead in weeks one and two, so you know they're pretty good, pretty good then. So I I'm not I'm not like super super worried about it. I do think we'll probably see you know them trying to get the ball out a little bit quicker maybe, and we could also see Tua take some sacks and you know some drives get blown up and everything. But like in a in a way maybe that's okay because the the bigger issue is can the Giants push them at all. And I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm worried about the Giants here. So uh, just because they they've looked so ineffective, um, and just like D- Daniel Jones, just not being able to do anything against the Seattle defense was really concerning to me. I mean, Seattle does not have a good defense. So can the Giants push back? Because if the Giants can push back, I mean, Tyreek Hill could have a massive game here. I think Jalen Waddle could have a huge game. The Giants rank 25th in preventing 15 plus yard passes. So they better hope that pass rush comes through for them. Cause if it does not, they're going to be letting up a lot of big plays to Hill and Waddle and to, probably to a chain, maybe to Mostert. So yeah, it's the big question for me is like, can the giants push back enough? 
in a way, I think if the Giants can, maybe that hurts the A-chan stuff because is he going to get a ton of playing time in a, in a competitive game? I actually don't know. I think maybe that would still be Mostert. And they, they, they know what they have. And it's like you got a 31-year-old and a rookie. And if you're trying to beat the Giants in week five, maybe play the 31-year-old, you know, and keep the rookie fresh unless you're trying to, like, just see what, you know, you can do with HN later in garbage time. So I, I don't know. I, I That's one of the ways I, I could see maybe this failing is if the Giants don't, uh, if the Giants do push back more than expected. The yeah, the, the, I, I always have a pretty conservative first run of ownership on Thursday and Friday just because we just don't have that much information. So I had a bunch of guys, like, in the 20 to 25% range. As the week progresses, it feels like just from looking at Twitter and, and seeing some other articles that HN is going to be closer to 30%. So like before we get to Daigle and the giant side, like, I mean, what is your guys's take on a 30% HN? This is a blow. Up spot. I mean, everything's trending up. Snaps are going up. Touch shares going up. Like, is that just a function of like the game flows that we've had? Does Jeff Wilson come back? Like, how are we playing this HN thing? Cause I think, I think HN is the like, decision point of the week he's i i reference in my article rush yards over expected per game uh success rate nfl next gen success rate breakaway yards per game uh elusive rating i, I reference those a lot hn is rb1 in all of those and it's crazy to see him rb1 in the per game metrics when he's not getting used a lot like it's not like per attempt stuff he's you could you put the denominator as games and it's still HN as the running back one. Um, he's averaging 14.1 fantasy points over expected per game. I mean, that's like most people's workload, and that's just the efficiency he's adding on top. So, like, he's got the ceiling. And that's the thing that's tough if you're going to fade this massive chalk. It's like, it's, it, I think it's fragile. Like, I can see ways where he doesn't get there because, like, they go through Mostert or they go through the passing game. He doesn't get a bump in playing time, and he's not – insanely efficient for the first time but i think i have to play some of them because i can i can just see him going nuclear here it's just annoying because last week after a chan had four touchdowns as Mostert did Mostert was still 6500 that's what we had the discussion last week about Mostert's salary um psychologically being the better tournament play and then here is a chan dominating Mostert at this time around and he's still not 6,500 on DraftKings. He's only 6,100. So it's like they also mispriced him, not only based on his performance to date, but based on the current situation on his own team. So I feel like I, I have to play him, and I don't like being cornered like that, but that's the way I feel right now. Yeah, my concern with A-Chan, like in, in large field stuff, I, I think I'm just like overweight on him. Um, I, I mean, I'm not playing 150 lineups anyway, so – you know, take that with a grain of salt. My concern is that in 100, 200 man stuff, we get kickoff and he's like 55, 60%. That's I, my concern. I think he could be higher than that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's my real concern about And I'm not even saying that's wrong. Sense. Maybe it's right. That's what's frustrating. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That is what's that, right? If he's like 60%, but like he's, he's got a massive ceiling for the price. Like it's, I mean, not even for the price, just massive ceiling, full stop. And then he helps you fit other stuff. So it is. It's yeah. tough. 
there, there's a lot of salary pivots. That's the one thing to note. There are a lot of salary pivots um, off HN this week. But um, I mean, no one has has this. No one else is a 12 and a half point favorite. Um, Daigle, I mean, what what the hell do we even say about the Giants? Uh, as you mentioned on the podcast this week, they haven't scored a first half TD this week. They don't have Andrew Thomas. They're 31st in adjusted sack rate allowed. The only guy we were hoping for, uh, Darren Waller, is, is giving us next to nothing. The one bright spot is we saw uh, Wandale Robinson get rotated in as basically as a starter last week, and now he's super cheap. Um, but he's going to be super chalky because he is so cheap. People are just going to look at this game, see cheap Wandale, see the usage last week. Um, what the hell do we do with the Giants? I think it's a situation like a couple of weeks ago with the Broncos where you don't even have to worry about it. I've been trying to find reasons to play Daniel Jones because it does seem like a better spot, given that the Dolphins' defense is just not coming along either. No one is noticing how bad the defense is playing in Miami because their offense is so great. But also, I mean, the Giants are one of only two offenses, the Bengals being the other, who haven't scored a first-half touchdown yet. They've been they've been more miserable than Miami's defense. So I don't think I can get there unless you do want to squeeze in Wandale. But even... Like you said, the way Wandale gets his targets too, I just don't even care about. I, I get it if you're trying to save salary and you're going to take your little 8 to 11 points and be like, this is good. But, man, it's so thin there. Uh, even last week with J- Jalen Hyatt and Wandale ended up leading the team in routes run, but that wasn't the case in the first half. Darius Slayton ran around on every drop back in the first half. But it was a blowout, so they took all their starters off the field except Daniel Jones, basically. And Matt Breida even, I looked at Matt Breida, and I was like, maybe I could squeeze in 20 touches here for cheap and just save salary. <laughs> even he's priced like next to Brees Hall. And imagine playing Matt Breida over Brees Hall. Yeah. So oh, there's, like, there's like genuinely nothing there. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem with Jones is he's given us nothing through the air. 32% of his fantasy points have come on the ground this year. The only other player above 25% uh, from their uh, points from the ground is Lamar Jackson. The difference is Lamar is averaging 22 fantasy points per game. Daniel Jones is averaging 13 and a half. Um, so I agree. Like, there's just there, – there's, there's nothing here. Like, the thesis of playing Daniel Jones – will just lead you back to playing Josh Dobbs because he has the rushing <laughs> yeah. floor and he's been better. So why not just play Josh Dobbs? Very, very good point. Um, cash game notes. I mentioned Wandale super cheap uh, punt option on DK. Hey, Chan, um, I mean, from a value perspective, he's a fringe cash game value, 7,500 Fandle, 6,000 DK. I think given the spread, he's probably a slam dunk. And then Dolphins defense, they're such a big favorite. Uh, we're probably never paying up at 3,600 on DK in cash, um, but 4,900, even though that's near the maximum, still just fits in easier. He's in thir- uh, Dolphins defense is in 36% of fan duel optimals. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. PrizePix is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, PrizePix is simple. 
just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. And you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. PrizePix even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with all your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together, with more Devonta Smith receiving yards, or less Justin Fields rushing yards. Now, you can. Just go to prizepix.com accurate and use the promo code accurate to match your first deposit up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Uh, Daigle, I'm going to toss the Lions to you. They're favored by 10, 27 point total. The big news here, Amon Ra, DNP Thursday and Friday, and listed as doubtful, which is basically out. Um, Lions fourth highest total, but they're 11th in cumulative pass game ownership. My guess is that I have to run this back. That jumps a little bit just because we're probably going to get cheap ownership on um, uh, Reynolds and Khalif Raymond. Jameson Williams is questionable. We got a late Gibbs questionable. That's always scary when you get that that late um, injury tag in the week. Uh, the thing about Carolina is they are one of the biggest run funnels in the league. Six in schedule just points allowed to quarterbacks, 30th versus running backs. So all of the metrics are saying just play Montgomery. Given all this news, I, I think his ownership probably spikes. Um with a Monroe probably out with Gibbs, maybe out, like how much do the lions even bother throwing here against a Panthers team? That's probably just going to slow it down as well. I wouldn't think it's a lot. I'm going to keep an eye on the injuries though. Uh, and have an update for everyone with my thoughts more on Sunday morning in the discord, because there's enough here and there's enough clusters to where maybe the Panthers defense, honestly, is the one you sneak in. And you can kind of just avoid this low total altogether. It's it's shaping up to be similar to when the Lions lost everyone against the Patriots last year before their bye. And TG Hawkinson went nuts only because, and the Lions got drowned. But he went nuts because there was literally no one else to throw to. Um, that's what this seems to be like, where there are so many injuries that maybe the opposing defense like is the better play, especially how cheap they are. So I'm I'm still interested for all the reasons you mentioned in David Montgomery. Now three games, averaging 23 carries. And it's favoring him because of game scripts. We haven't seen a, like an Antonio Gibson, we haven't seen a Jameer Gibbs game script just yet. Uh, so I'm not frustrated about his usage. It actually makes sense and they're winning. But at the same time, this yet again, as double-digit point favorites at home, does make sense as a David Montgomery game above all else. So I'm still I'm still teetering between how to approach this one because maybe it's just ugly and no one gets there. Yeah, and I mean, tight end is so bad that Laporta is just going to be owned, even though he's not like super cheap. Like people are just going to go to him, and like I, I'm probably going to have the biggest like ownership sweep tomorrow that I've had all year, just because like Montgomery's probably going to get steamed a little bit. Um, we have him like like in that 10 to 15% range right now. But with all this news, I, I just see him coming in way higher. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I, I kind of agree with you that this, outside of Montgomery, it, it might be a spot to avoid. Um, Karain, kind of uh, flipped on the other side. Lions are a have been a pass funnel. Um, they're first in schedule adjusted points against running backs. But as you mentioned in the walkthrough, uh, Carolina wants to limit Young. They want to slow it down. Uh, Miles Sanders also hobbled. So, I mean, Thielen, I, I, I guess he's a floor play. Um, is there anything worth even looking at here besides Thielen? And like, 
are there indicators that Thielen might even be a trap as well? Yeah, I'm not really interested in, in going here um, on the Carolina side at all. Um, yeah, I mean, if Thielen is Thielen's getting work, so you could you could talk yourself into it. But I I think for me, it's like, what are these teams setting out to accomplish this weekend, right? And I think the Lions, like, they want to play from ahead. They want to run the ball. Like, they're going to limit play volume here. I think they're gonna they're going to be successful doing that because I don't think the Panthers are very good, but. The thing with the Panthers is like they're probably just trying to have people think a little bit better about Bryce Young and not, you know, have this be part of the reason they end up getting fired. Like this is I I don't think they're going to be aggressive at all. I think they're gonna be happy that the Lions are playing conservatively and limiting play volume. Like if they could have a fluky play and you know squeak out a three point win, it's like, you know, twenty to seventeen, like that's ideal. You know, that's they're not they're not trying to do anything fun, anything exciting. Um, and yeah, I think Thielen has gotten a lot of targets. Uh, he's got a, a targets per run of 20%, which is pretty good. But what's kind of interesting is that he's only seen a first three target rate of 12%, which is lower than DJ Chark at 14%, lower than Jonathan Mingo at 16%. And so I could see, you know, Thielen's targets actually not being really indicative of what he gets going forward. Like that target rate could be inflated. I mean, partially it's inflated because he's playing with Andy Dalton. So I, I just – I don't even want to touch the on really. Um, this is not this is not a game environment. I want to be playing on the Carolina side. I think David Montgomery is really interesting. Disappointed to hear you say that you think he's going to get steamed because I was wondering maybe the opposite might happen with all the other options priced just below him. Um, but he's interesting, and I think Laporta is, is kind of interesting. But, yeah, those are like the only two pieces I like. Montgomery probably is a good play. Uh, I just want to see where these injuries go. I think I think Frank Ragnow also plays, but there's enough question marks here un- to wait until the weekend. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, especially since he was a Friday downgrade, always concerned. That's yeah. That I mean, and that's really why I I mean, not the only reason, but I mean, if if Gibbs is out or like we even have news that he's limited, Montgomery's just M- Montgomery might might jump a chan in ownership yeah. if if Gibbs is out. Like seriously, that's how crazy it can get. Um, Sam Laporta's top two tight end value on both sites. Um, he, he's in the Fanduel optimal. Uh, Thielen popping in in a few uh, DK optimals, but um, I, I don't think outside of Montgomery, there's anything we need to force in cash games. Uh, this next game doesn't really fit into our our normal big spread or or shootout game, but there's so much chalk in this game that I wanted to mention it. Bengals are three-point favorites over the Cardinals. The total's 45, so it's like a middling total. Um, you know, both defenses are exploitable, so there could be something here. Karain, the question I have is how do we weight um, how bad Burrow's been versus how great of a matchup this is, and how does that factor into the fact that Jamar, Mixon and Boyd are all probably going to be very chalky this week with Higgins most likely out. I mean, this is this is an awesome matchup for Burrow. Um, you know, I said in the walkthrough, basically, if he can't put up points here, then he really shouldn't be out on the field. Like, he's not healthy enough to be on the field if, if he can't put up points against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I think we should be very optimistic about Jamar Chase getting targets here without T. Higgins and, you know, Joe Mixon. He's he's getting a lot of work. If he's attached to a, a good offense again, he's he will have a good week. So just like before we tackle on the salary layer and and the ownership layer, 
yeah, this looks like a good spot for, for Joe Burr to bounce back. But like, then when I have to pay up a lot for Jamar Chase and he's going to be chalky, I, I suddenly am not interested. Like this team has really struggled. So looking at Joe Burrow's throws to the intermediate and, and deep parts of the field this year and his PFF grades on those throws are, are way down. It's interesting. He's not taking more sacks, but he's just not like doing the Burrow stuff that made him worth. You know, he takes a lot of sacks generally. But that's okay because he does fun burrow stuff in the intermediate and deep parts of the field, and he's not doing that right now. Uh, Denny Carter pointed out earlier this week that they're getting blitzed a lot more. Um, Cardinals don't really do that a ton, so maybe that's another reason why he bounces back here. But this is not like I don't know. I was kind of I'm kind of surprised that this is a spot where people are just running to because like T Higgins being out certainly solidifies. Uh, Jamar Chase's role, but like he's Jamar Chase. He's he's already getting. He has a thirty percent target share already. Like he is he gonna is he gonna be at like forty percent or you know is he just definitely going to have a really high target share this week? Like it almost seems more of like a floor play to me than you know like the floor is higher now with Higgins with Higgins out, but I don't know that the ceiling is that much higher with Higgins out. It really comes down to whether he can be explosive with Joe Burrow, and that's kind of a separate question of whether or not Higgins is playing. That's that's a Joe Burrow question. Um, certainly a good matchup. I do expect that they will have a, a much better game than they've had so far. But, yeah, it, with the with the chalk and the ownership uh, – sorry, the chalk and, and the prices here, I think I'm going to be looking elsewhere mostly. We, we did get a full practice day out of Irv Smith. He's been out the last two weeks. I mean, he's probably going to be the one guy that comes in at single-digit ownership. Obviously, it's just like praying for a touchdown with Irv. Um, but if tight end sucks, like why not leverage off of all the chalky teammates maybe? Yeah. I mean, is, yeah. is that just a hail? Is, is it too much of a hail Mary? No, I don't think so. Um, Daigle on the Cardinals side, like when we have all of this Bengals chalk, we would hope we're getting Cardinals contrarian plays. Um, but we're not, uh, Marquise is going to be owned. Ertz is going to be owned. Um, maybe Connor isn't owned. So, I, I don't want to play chalky Cardinals pass catchers, but I'm very interested in like a, a direct leverage play off of one of the chalkiest running backs on the week in the same game. How do you feel about that? It makes all the sense in the world for Marquise Brown too. I was trying to figure out how to play one of them because I think it's a really good spot for the Cardinals. And once I saw that, like we are projecting 20% Marquise Brown, which makes sense on DraftKings because he's so cheap. Uh, he's seen 30% so of the team's yeah. targets the last three games and they're not budging him at all. And he's getting there. He's just not being budged at all. So he's a great play, but Connor is my favorite among that group going to be single digits in that stat group of mid tier running backs. And it's such a sweet spot. Like, the Bengals quietly have allowed the second highest rate of 10-yard runs. They're one of only three defenses allowing five yards per carry on the ground as well. Uh, it's such an amazing spot for Connor. I know people saw him lose a little bit of the passing work to MRE DiMarcado last week, but also like just in the first half alone, Connor outcarried DiMarcado 10 to 0. And still they split targets. But the fact is Connor is still being used in the passing game and he's getting all the rushing work. And so that's the kind of player, especially at low ownership, that I genuinely don't mind having in this spot. 
Yeah. And if you, I mean, if you told us before the season started that this game was going to be a three point spread and not a 10 point spread, you never would have believed it. So, I mean, like car, I mean, Connor's just in like, he's in a really, really good leverage spot here. I have have so much money on the Cardinals minus three and it feels so fishy, but even their slate of opponents, like the Cardinals have the Cowboys and 49ers in the rear view mirror and they're top 10 in yards for play in the NFL right now. Like just based on their opponents, the Cardinals are a better team than this Bengals team. Good also, team. like great, great teams cover. Cardinals been, cover three or four. Dobbs has been good, and he's been facing the Cowboys and the, the 49ers the last couple weeks. Exactly. Like he, he might crush. Is yeah. he? Is uh, he? Like I was just thinking, like could I? Can I play Dobbs? He, I mean, the, the run back would be obvious because then you can play Jamar Chase. Yeah, then you can play I mean, Jamar Chase. Yes, and Mick, Mixon. It seems are like we, are we on slotting the? Are we on slotting Cardinals? I haven't got there yet mentally. Maybe <laughs> I haven't got there. Yet. He's fifty-two hundred. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I get Ertz. I can. I got my double stack. I got my tight end taken care. My oh, God, man! Uh, lots <laughs> of cash game notes in this one. Uh, Mixon and Jamar um, both near the top in value on both sides. Tyler Boyd on DK at forty-five hundred. T Higgins out. We already talked about Marquise Brown. We already talked about Zach Ertz. Obviously, not playing them all in the same cash game lineup, but they all fit into cash on both sides. Um, the rest of the games are pretty funky. If Zach Wilson doesn't have a good game on Monday night, we're probably not talking about Broncos Jets. Um, Colts Titans are interesting just for the simple fact that we got Anthony Richardson and then we got uh, pretty gross matchups. Falcons, Texans, Patriots, Saints. Ravens would have been interesting, but now they're getting all their receivers back. So it's kind of a mess now against the Steelers defense. So um, Daigle, any of these games stand out to you as, as one we want to target when there's only 10 games to target? I am very interested in the Colts Titans still because of just how Anthony Richardson projects. He's always going to project with the high ceiling given as to how he plays, but overs are baked in like the Texans covering being a much better team than meets the eye and the Colts being an over team. It doesn't seem like the market has caught up to those two situations just yet. Same for the Cardinals, but for Anthony Richardson, uh, the Tex on one hand, the Titans defense has trickled down against quarterbacks as well. They've been stout against opposing signal callers. Even this year, the only mobile quarterback they faced was Deshaun Watson, four carries for 16 yards. Going back to last year, Jalen Hurts, 12 yards. Daniel Jones, 25. Josh Allen, just 10 yards against them last season. But at the same time, the way this offense runs under Shane Steichen, being top five in plays per game, first in no huddle rate, tied for the league lead in drives per game. There's so much volume here against a soft spot against the Titans secondary that only injured Joe Burrow hasn't had success against that. I do kind of want to mess around and, and take on Richardson ceiling only a hundred dollars more on DraftKings and right there in that range on FanDuel as well to where it's completely acceptable paying for it. And talking about DraftKings, everyone's trying to, you know, bring along the cheap stack, whether it be a tight, cheap tight end or she rice in the Vikings game, uh, maybe Wandell in the Dolphins game as a run back. Like for Richardson, it just kind of fits where you can play one of his cheap options and it fits your stack as well. Like you could still play Josh Downs. Everyone wanted to get there in cash games and tournaments last week. And it was the first time he dipped below a 16% target share, but it was also just 20 passes for Richardson. And he completed his 44% in like a much tougher spot. 
last week. So I don't mind like going back to downs following a down week, no pun intended, where everyone wanted to roster him anyways. I still think you can squeeze Kylan Granson in since Rawl just hate tight end. No one wants to play a single tight end this week. Like why wouldn't I just bring him along with my quarterback and say, screw it in a good passing spot. So yeah, I, I like it. And then DeAndre Hopkins with Traylon Burks out is the, the obvious player you play in that game. He's still soaking up, you know, all the targets in Tennessee, especially these past two weeks without Traylon Burks. So I think it just makes a lot of sense for a game that 43, it's not the right number. Yeah. Uh, Nuke is priced like way down on FanDuel. So it's he'll crazy. be on there. Yeah. On DraftKings, he, he, he'll he probably get some ownership, but nowhere close to FanDuel. Um, every week, Matt Savoka writes the breakout receiver column at 4 for 4. Um, at the end of it, he always puts a little um, DFS aside. The top DFS breakout wide receiver candidate this week is Michael Pittman, uh, to be noted. So um, he's, he's kind of in a no man's land in salary, but that should keep his ownership in check. Uh, Corrine, um, which of these, um, ancillary games are you, are you juggling? I, I like the Colts Titans. That's one I had, um, noted as well. And the, one of the notes that jumped out to me was the, the Colts are seventh in ESPN's, uh, run block win rate, which uses the player tracking data. Um, and the Colts are, or the, the Titans are only 16th in run stop win rate. So like, I know the Titans are a pass funnel, and I know it's because they have this really good run defense, but I actually think that like, like Shane Steichen last week had a minus 40% pass rate of expected on first down. They have minus 20% pass rate of expected. They they did actually go that super ultra run heavy version of the Colts that we thought we might get with Anthony Richardson. Now Jonathan Taylor going to be out there some, right? So that might be helpful in kind of keeping the, the running game going. I think Richardson, like, I don't think Steichen's going to be afraid to unleash Richardson against this Titans run defense. So I, I like him a lot um, as well. The other one that jumps out to me is Jets Broncos, but it's, it's more like I like some pieces here than I like, you know, I obviously don't want to play Zach Wilson, but you know, I like Brees Hall. Don't I like say Garrett obviously. Wilson. You, you can, like, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah. It's not he ideal. Cheap. He's cheap. I, you know, as cheap as Cortland Sutton. I think Sutton's kind of interesting, especially if no one's really going to be uh, that interested in playing him. And I'm not afraid of this Jets defense. They have a good pass rush, and they aren't really doing a ton um, outside of that. Like they, they're they're pretty beatable. So I could actually see the the Broncos, who have been playing really well in offense. Um, their defense is horrendous, but the Jets are also horrendous. So maybe this is like competitive. Maybe they find balance this week. Maybe this this game is actually a back and forth game. Uh, but the uh, but the Broncos are able to uh, score points through the air with with Javante Williams banged up. Yeah, I, I will say that is this this is a late game, right? Jets Broncos, unfortunately. I believe yeah, so. It is late. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, it's it a late game. Late. Yeah. It'd be nice, way nicer if it was early. Um, Again, I, I'm going to have to do so much like projection update in the morning, but um, another running back in that um, salary range is Brees Hall, who you mentioned that HN um, range. If he, if we think he's going to be very popular, Garrett Wilson, again, he is also a, um, a buy low candidate based on his usage. This Broncos defense has obviously been atrocious. I don't know if I have the stones to stack Zach Wilson, even though he is sub 5K and he does let you get some of the expensive guys we talked about earlier. Um, 
but I mean, Garrett Wilson, man, if, if, if Brees Hall is super popular and a one-off Garrett Wilson as leverage off of a 20% Brees Hall against the secondary, like we, we don't need Zach Wilson to like be great. If he's average Garrett Wilson, his ceiling yeah. is as high as anybody's in the league. Right. I was trying to tease because Garrett Wilson is my favorite wide receiver play of the week in the, in the, in the end section here. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a smash. I mean, like I have a ton of Brees Hall in best ball. Like I've, that was my all, all summer. If you heard me do anything, I was talking about Brees Hall. So I'm excited about Brees Hall in this matchup. Obviously I'm excited to hear he's not on a snap count anymore, but like even before Adam Levitan tweeted out like the full interview, um, which I'd, I'd looked for and I, I couldn't find, but um, they, you know, it was not nearly as bullish as like you would hope it to be. He's basically like, yeah, Brees is getting where we want. Dalvin's, Dalvin's doing good. Dalvin's looking better too. You know, nothing really that exciting, to be honest. We know that Brees is trending in the right direction. I think after they come out of the week seven bye, they probably will hand the reins over to him. But like, are they going to just give him the full workload this week because we want them to? No, they're not. Like he's going to have to get their own efficiency. He's going to have to get their own long plays. We know he's capable of that. We also know it might not happen. That's a much more fragile way to bet on things. Are we, are we sure? Are we sure we don't? They don't give it to him this week. I'm. I don't think he's. I. But I would say he gets probably like sixty-two percent of the team attempts. That's where I think he lands. That's like, very, you know, very specific. That's very specific, Corinne. Yeah, and, I've thought about this. <laughs> and so was like it, doing projections. Was the first time I came up with that. <laughs> What's annoying though is that he can still get there. Like he can he can bury he you can. at fifty four hundred on twelve touches against the Broncos. That's what's stupid. hundred percent. Yeah. No, he definitely can. But like, dude, Garrett Wilson was someone we were drafting at the end of the first round in the summer, and he he has he deserved that. Like he's that good. It's just that Zach Wilson is so bad. He's able to cover him up. I, I called Zach Wilson a shade on his, on his value, but we might see the, sh the sun shining through this week with the Denver Broncos defense. Like that's, they can actually unlock that for him. Um, and I think the other thing that's interesting about Garrett Wilson specifically is that his first three target rate is much lower than you would think given how much a part of the offense he appears to be in other ways. Like he's running every single route, yet his first three target rate is only 19%, which is good. But like, you know, AJ Brown's at 29%. Like we could see a much higher rate than that. Like why aren't they calling plays for him in mind? But the, the first three target rate that I referenced, it looks at, did you get a target on the quarterback's first read? It doesn't look at, right. were you the first the read? Yeah. And then did you not get a target? I don't know that. And I think that's probably happening all the time. And so what this matchup could unlock is Zach Wilson is able to hit his first read a lot more often because he's in rhythm. He's going against a bad defense. He's almost throwing on air, right? Like on, in practice, I'm sure Garrett Wilson's the first read nonstop. So I think it unlocks a potential ceiling on Garrett Wilson's target share that is, is kind of there in most like competent defensive matchups. I think sometimes it's as simple as saying he's seen 32% target share in each of his last three games. Uh, it, the ball only goes to Garrett Wilson. It's that simple. But I think that might understate it, honestly. Like, I think that understates it. It could get, it, it could get nutty. 
And if you're telling me then everyone wants to play Brees Hall and I can play Garrett Wilson at less ownership, it's like, yeah, like Garrett Wilson's even projecting with a higher ceiling than Brees Hall because of course he is. Like he's not coming off the field, whereas Brees Hall, that's what we're battling here. So of course I don't mind playing that. And if I do, it's it's not it's not crazy to play Zach Wilson. I'm not even telling you I will, but it's not crazy. I've almost I've almost he's, gotten talked. He's going to be one to three percent. I really thought he was going to be more rostered. This Bears defense, although it does look like Justin Fields has turned a corner, they are. I don't know why. I don't know why it took him even last night to start ru- doing double-digit design runs for him. Why did it take us till week five? I don't get it. But like Justin Fields had a career high in passing points strictly for fantasy against this Broncos defense. They are the absolute worst. Uh, I think Justin Simmons being activated, all pro safety, may have a little bit of pushback here. He's good enough to where maybe I start second-guessing my Jets exposure, but at the same time, this Broncos defense right now is very bad. So I I do love Garrett Wilson too. Yeah, I, I do think, obviously, this could change a lot. I do think like the basic build, at least on DK, is going to be very balanced um, salary-wise across positions. If you play Wilson and punt tight end and one wide receiver like and go for a real studs and duds approach, like that could be very, very unique. I don't know how many people might get to that thought process as well. Um, but a sub 5k quarterback again, like you don't need him to go nuts. If, if he gets you 20 DK points, like you're, you're dancing, baby. I think I've gone from, I'm not playing him to obviously I'm not playing him obviously to, I, I think I am playing him. That's <laughs> what do I, what do we need? Like it, unlock, we, it unlocks a lot. 20, how many 22? DK points did you say we need? 22. So I mean, he's yeah, hit. that's that's ballpark. I'm I'm just throwing that out there. Like I, I could be way off, but like I would think 22 to 25 at at 4900. Like you're pretty okay. I I also still like the Broncos defense to mix in in tournaments. Um, oh sure, the Broncos, both of these defenses are in play. The Broncos sure. got road graded yeah. last week and still scored 13 fantasy points because like you you can still get there on this kind of volume against Zach Wilson. So I still love playing that as like leverage. Yeah. Um, the games that, that we didn't run through um, aggressively, the only two obvious cash game options that we didn't mention out of all of that discussion, Bijan Robinson is just projecting crazy on both sides, top value on both sides across all positions, and Titans defense are just so cheap. Um, like they're just going to be our, our cash game defenses. Um, let's talk about the chalkiest players on the slate. Tell me if there's anybody that stands out as someone you love or hate. Um, in no particular order, uh, mix Mixon, Bijan, and, and I guess we should throw. Oh, I got HN, HN in there at running back, um, at wide receiver, Jamar and Marquise Brown, as well as Wandale on DK, Nuke on Fanduel, and then Titans defense. Those are projecting as the highest owned plays right now. Uh, Pat, anyone you love or hate from the chalk group there? Uh, yeah, I've talked about the Bengals. I, I, I'm willing to go elsewhere there. Um, I, I also feel like Wandale is so comfy, you know, to go 3K, like, oh, man, that's going to let me do some stuff. But I think I might just not let myself use him because I don't know that he really has a ceiling. And so, you know, like for tournaments, like am I – if he's going to be – it'd be one thing if he was like least contrarian. It's like, all right, I'm saving salary. I'm, you know, I'm not – I don't have a huge ceiling in this spot, but it's opening up other stuff. But – I'm holding hands on this guy who doesn't have a ceiling. That feels like no fun. So I, I think I literally might just X him out and try to build without him this week and see if I can just get different that way at least. My only my only concern, sorry, Diego, my only concern is if Wandale gets squeezed with a Monra injury because then it gives us like mm-hmm. it gives us Michael Wilson, 
I, I guess Khalif or Josh Reynolds, even though Josh Reynolds is in the 4K range. And like maybe do people just like shy away from the Giants now that we have like at least three viable 3K guys? Yeah. And again, if you play Anthony Richardson, you can get to Josh Downs easily too. Uh, I'll, I'll just be asking myself because I don't think Wando has a ceiling, but I'll ask, I'll be asking myself, does 11 points at 3K, like what does that allow me to do? And then start building around that because it's not even about what he does. It's about what you can do around him. Can you still get to the players and the stacks you want? That's what I'll start tinkering with. It's it's going to be interesting. 3K opens up a lot. I um, mean, 3K for a guy guaranteed to have five catches for 40 yards. It's like stone men, man. St- stone man, eight to 11 points. Uh, maybe it's good enough, honestly. Yeah. And it's like, I want to play him. Like, he's the one like, oh, that's fine. I'll just, but it's like, I'm not. I sometimes I feel like if I want to play a guy because it just makes me feel comfier about my lineups, but I know he doesn't have a ceiling and he's chalky. Like that's a that's a bad play, right? For I should sure. be trying yeah, yeah. not to do that. Now, now run that back with a chan as the natural skinny stack and see where your own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of that. There's gonna be a lot of that. this. Is why I love these ten game slates because like we're getting like crazy obvious leverage spots. Like these guys are just like there's not that many places to go. So like I do think that. Obviously, I said Wandale could could get squeezed a little bit, but like these guys that are in this, like maybe they're going to be high owned. Like they could just get steamed to a crazy number we're not expecting. These are the slates where kickoff happens, and then we're like, oh, the twenty two percent guys, thirty eight percent. Like these are the slates where it happens. Like like the last couple of weeks, whenever we had uh, we talked about Tyreek and Mostert soaking up Dolphins touchdowns without Tua. Last week was Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey. I played Brock Purdy and he did, he did fine. He got the rushing touchdown at the end. Um, you know, as we talked about, I just am haunted because I played Zach Moss. But I'm trying to, I'll definitely be soaking up team touchdowns this week and pivoting from there with only 10 games. Like I, I like Jefferson and TG Hawkinson with no Kirk Cousins. And then instead going to like um, Josh Downs and Anthony Richardson instead, because I'm trying to soak up touchdowns here. And there are still a few quarterbacks I'm very comfortable with. That's what I'll be playing around with. Are you? Is there any interest to, to that point of team touchdowns? Are you at all interested in going Brees and Garrett, or the Jets just can't put up enough touchdowns? That's, no matter the case, who play? that's, the that's case, a Fanduel play. That's a Fanduel play. Okay. Zach Wilson is just so cheap on DraftKings that that's the case. I, I maybe yeah. Just, I just, just, oh, just play wow. Zach Wilson. Whew. He's forty-seven hundred. He's below. I five think I'm in, guys. We got I'm two days. We got two days to think about it. But I support it. I support it. But I'm <laughs> underweight. Yeah. Uh, before we get to our favorite plays at each, each position, I want to remind all of our listeners and viewers about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Go to pricepicks.com slash DFS MVP and use the code DFS MVP for a first deposit match up to $100. We're three out of four so far this season on these picks on this show. We hope you guys are putting them in as we put them out, getting these really good numbers. Uh, Missed last week, but hopefully get on the right side of it again this week. We got a few that we really like. Karain mentioned Josh Dobbs and his rushing earlier. We like him for more than 21 and a half rushing rushing yards uh atlanta versus houston houston has been a very good passing defense uh this year desmond ritter less than 182 and a half pass yards and as i mentioned earlier detroit's been one of the best teams if not the best defense against running backs so far this year shuba hubbard 47 and a half rushing plus receiving yards combined we like less on that number if you put 25 dollars on those three picks you will five extra money 
with that three-player pick'em. Don't forget to go to pricepicks.com slash DFSMVP. Use the code DFSMVP for a first deposit match up to $100. Pricepicks.com is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right. Everybody's favorite part of the show where we give you guys the answers to the test. Karain, starting at quarterback. <laughs> um, we basically have been teasing this the whole time. Um, basically been teasing this team the whole time. Tell me well, about quarterback. I changed it to Zach Wilson. I, you guys, <laughs> you guys, you didn't even try to talk me into it, and I feel like I somehow got we like Ouija board talked me into it. Um, it's like it's just so we're trying to figure out ways to save on this on this slate, and it's so much savings, and, and it allows you to kind of shift things around. So I this is like literally something I came to during the pod. So I've got to go build and see like what what this actually unlocks and is it worth it to take on the risk? But you know, he has thrown for 300 yards a, a few times in his career. It's not like he's never done that. Throws for a couple touchdowns. You can the thing about it too is I can play Conklin. You know, I get the double, I get tight end taken care of. That's one thing I'm always looking at right now. It's like because I was thinking Russell Wilson, but I'm like, I don't I don't want to play Troutman or whatever, right? So it's like if I want to play Russ and then Sutton, but then I've got Conklin and Garrett coming back, why don't I just swap out Russ for Zach and go do some fun if, stuff? If Wilson goes for 350 and three against this defense, every offense is going to be a million percent owned against the Broncos every single week. Like, right, this is the this is the final boss, right? If if this happens, this like, we're, just, we're just playing them every week against the Broncos, right? But you're getting the final boss for free. Like no one, right. no one thinks that they can actually pull this off. Also, like do? speaking of little, some unique three for ones, and not, and if you're trying to find a pivot off Brees Hall too, dude, if Jam- if Javante Williams gets ruled out, I don't know where Sean Payton found Jaleel McLaughlin. Like the same, the same way he found Michael Thomas. <laughs> um, but dude, McLaughlin is good. Like he is super explosive. He's, he's forced a missed tackle on every other carry he's had so far. He's only had 14 carries, and three have gone for 10-plus yards. Last week, he, those two his first two touches were when Javante Williams was healthy. Like, they're mixing McLaughlin in because he's that damn good. And now imagine if Javante's out, maybe McLaughlin's just more explosive than Brees Hall at this, like, right now, until Brees Hall's 100% healthy. Salary. That's how uh, even 5 well, got to take shots me, at Brees. I've you, you had me. I was all excited to play Jaleel. Now I got to I'm just saying, Brees dude, like, he's... He's, he's $400 less. Uh, Jaleel's 5K. 5K flat. Oh, 5K. He's good, dude. He's actually good at football. And I don't I don't know how, but Peyton found him. I mean, he does seem to be, like, potentially the 1A over Pirine if if uh, Williams oh, is out. Do you guys think people go there if Williams is out? No. Uh, to I don't, who? I don't. To McLaughlin. <laughs> oh, oh I thought you meant to Pirine. I was like, hell no. Um, no I mean, no, no, no. no, I don't think people go there. No, not against I the think, Jets. Not I think people still play Brees Hall. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Daigle, who's your favorite quarterback this week? It's still Anthony Richardson for tournaments. Um, I feel like I have my my player pool dwindled down. I'm trying to see Stafford just makes it so hard because you naturally want to double stack them. And like we talked about earlier, it kind of eliminates everything else. So like I don't I don't think I'll be playing much Stafford. I'm pretty confident in a two-man pool between Kirk Cousins and Anthony Richardson right now for like mid and high stakes. But Richardson is just so fun given the rushing floor. Yeah, I mean, he's he's literally averaging the most rushing points per game among all quarterbacks. And I don't even need that. It'd be great if he does it here. But like, for instance, Josh Dobbs is averaging five rushing points per game. Uh, imagine if Richardson, we just slice his 13 and a half in half. 
he gets like six, just barely over Josh Dobbs. But now he also has the easiest passing matchup of his life to date. So it just seems like it's worth chasing here. Uh, shout out Dave Gladstone, Javante, full participant in practice today. So um, don't listen to anything we just said. Um, cash games, Matthew Stafford, 6,800 on FanDuel, 5,600 on DK, especially on DK. I mean, with Cooper cutback, I think you could just, um, lock Stafford into cash games and, and be all right. Um, lots of ceilings, uh, elsewhere. I don't think we need to pay up at quarterback on DK. Uh, Pat, uh, give me a running back that you are salivating over. So I, I put down David Montgomery here, but to me, it's like, it's whichever one of these running backs in this general salary range I feel like is going to get squeezed because and and yeah that I wasn't factoring in the Amon Ross stuff with Montgomery but the reason that he jumped out to me initially is that he's 6600 on DraftKings and all these other guys are a little bit cheaper and so my hope was you know maybe maybe everyone just finds themselves needing that 300 bucks and they go to Camara or that 200 bucks and they go to Mixon or, or whatever. Everyone's got a Chan in there anyway. Um, but you know, they can get swift there for save, save 600 bucks. So that was like the thesis there. If that doesn't end up happening and everyone's going there because Amon Ra's out, you know, and they're playing David Montgomery, then yeah, does Camara get squeezed? I, I, I want to find that guy to get squeezed. I wonder if like, I wonder if Bijan gets squeezed just because he's the expensive one. He's 77. Like, out of all the guys that are projecting high, like, I wonder if – yeah, maybe it's Kamara. Like, I just can't see Montgomery, Brees, or Achan, like, coming in at, like, 15. I just don't you know, know that happens. You know what we need? Uh, we need Ramondre ruled out, who's questionable, and to, oh, throw, the to throw the Zeke grenade oh, into Jesus. the water and see, see oh, how the geez. fish is jump. That's what we need because we need to squeeze some of these guys. Yeah, yeah. It's this yeah, is do. a really, really, really tough Zeke, um, ownership. Zeke has already reached like eighteen week. touches in one game. Like, imagine if Ramondre's out. They and it's a it's a great spot considering how banged up the Saints are. Like, I, I love the Patriots. If you bet the Patriots this week, I um, mean, I I I, I think you want to play Zeke. That's what I'm here. I kind of want to seven hundred. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to ride with Kareem though, because if all of these guys just come in at like 20 to 25%, like, I feel like Montgomery's the dude, like, as you said, a yeah. super fragile, yeah. like Brees is also fragile. Mixon is on the Bengals. Like if they're all coming into the same ownership, I kind of want Montgomery. I feel like, yeah, I, I would, I would like Montgomery if no one gets squeezed. Yeah. Right now, the way I've been leaning is not playing A-Chan. I'm just talking about single entries as well. For anyone doing like three max, I'm, I'll probably do one out of three. Um, for 20 entries, I'll probably do four or five out of 20. Um, but I'll be underweight. And I feel like it's just a day I'm going to go for a run because I don't want to watch it. I do not. <laughs> Dude. I <don't, laughs> shout out, don't, bro. I don't want to fade A-Chan. Going for a run at first kickoff is such a cheat code for your mental state. Coming back I don't and wanna, see what's going on in the second half. I don't want to watch A-Chan in a day where I'm underweight. I don't want to see it. That uh, is like best. some control that I just do not have. I mean, I, I'm oh, watching dude. this. I'm watching. The whole reason I do this is to, is, oh, here we go. The red zone countdown. Oh, no, buddy. Like, you kidding me? The, the entire point is to well, help to help everyone out and then to make money. So, like, if I'm, if, if, if I'm just making money, what do I care if watch about watching it live? My job is to go back and watch it anyways. I'll go watch it later when I know the results. That way I can cry myself to sleep. 
or just jump in joy with everyone. I cannot watch football. This is why this is why I had to be a numbers guy, not a film guy. I don't watch football when I know the results. <laughs> What's the point of that? I'm watching. The, oh yeah, let's see what happens. That's that's part it of the is, ride for me. It is madness. Uh, Daigle, who are you rocking with at running back? I talked about James Conner. I feel like the field will come in underweight. They just don't want to play him, even though his splits and usage is still incredible and the best spot possible. Uh, the Bengals are still bottom two in yards per play, EPA, and points per game. Like They are an absolutely miserable team because Joe Burrow is very clearly still injured. So they don't scare me. I think it's a great game script for James Conner. Uh Joe Mixon is, has kind of been near the top of our value um, all week as a cash game running back, 7,000 FanDuel, 6,400 DK. I mean, his usage um, is is up there with every other running back in the league, at least in terms of, of touch rates. Um, so, I mean, there there's a, a plethora of guys kind of in this range. Honestly, Montgomery probably leaps him for me, but we do have to remember that Montgomery's priced way up on Fandle. So if we're just talking sweeping across both sides, Mixon um, is is the play uh, for me, at least in cash games. Uh, Crane, let's go back to that Jets game for your wide receiver. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, I, I kind of already made the whole spiel on him. Um, but I, Yeah, we don't have to touch it too much. I would just, the thing I would just to kind of underline is like you're getting leverage on top of it. You're getting leverage on thing. Brees Hall like that. It just makes it really sweet to like everything else. You know, you're getting this awesome talent in a perfect spot at a good price, but then they also get leverage. Uh, yeah, it just seems amazing. Um, Daigle, we haven't talked about this game at all. Talk to talk to me about this receiver. You like, yeah, Vegas knows something because I was a fish and bet the Texans plus the point and a half Monday, but the Falcons have only increased. I believe the Falcons are two and a half point favorites now, so they're on to something. They know something's up here. Maybe it's the finally the letdown for the Texans, but but at the same time, uh, Nico Collins is such a great spot for him. The Falcons, a defense we can set our watch to, second in man coverage this year, and Nico Collins is literally second in yards per route run against man coverage, only behind Marvin Mims, who doesn't even play football at this point. So... I do. I love squeezing in Nico Collins in the lineups. He's going to get lost in that mid-tier range of 5K wide receivers. Yeah, I was actually going to put Nico here as my cash game receiver because he was actually really popping in our um, value scores before everything got shuffled up with some injury news. Um, now with Amon Rosé Brown, uh, unlikely to play Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond just open up so much in cash games. Um, punt the position, take the targets, like probably not great ceiling plays, um, but they're going to project very well, uh, very high floors, and uh, we're comfortable punting wide receiver in cash games. So Josh Reynolds and or Khalif Raymond are fine. Um, I, I'm just going to let you guys both go at it. We won't even go in order. Talk to me about your guys' favorite tight ends. I didn't even see what Karain wrote down. That's amazing. I'll just sit back and listen. Okay. Well, uh, since week two, one of the Falcons tight ends is tied for the team lead with Drake London. Also, since week two, one of the Falcons tight ends has an end zone target. The other doesn't. And one is lapping the other in yards per route run on the entire season. And so I would like to play him for cheaper because that one is Johnny Smith, not Kyle Pitts. So go ahead, Karade, sell me. So my sell on Kyle Pitts, because I've actually kind of found it funny that like people are specifically annoyed uh, about the Johnny Smith stuff as it relates to Kyle Pitts. But like I've been, I was pointing on the walkthrough, like, Hey, you know, Drake London and Kyle Pitts are running routes at the same rate. Like the Jonathan Smith stuff's not keeping Kyle Pitts off the field. So like 
if you like we should, the Drake London people should also be like, come on, come over here to Kyle Pitts Island and let's let's get real mad about this Johnny Smith stuff because it it stinks for everybody. But it's like also sort of unrelated to Kyle Pitts, who's out there running routes just like he was before. It's about the targets, the mix of targets we're getting. The issue with Kyle Pitts is that he's probably not fully healthy. Maybe that's that's been an, a part of the issue, right? But the other thing is that he's a Desmond Ritter deep threat. He's got a 12.3 ADOT. That's deeper than Drake London is at 10.8. He's got a 28% air yard share. That's more than Drake London. I know air yards don't, don't win us any money, but we have a chance to play a guy who's like, he's 3,300. It's like, he's a, and he's a splash play player. So I'm, what am I doing? I'm punting. It's a wide receiver punt. It's like a deep threat wide receiver punt that I get to put in my tight end slot. So I'm going to, I'm going to play a little Kyle Pitts this week. Uh, my, my only thing is this is, this was baked in to his ADP. If you were behind it this off season, because the argument was he, the, his first two years in the league, he was top two in depth of target. He only gets deep shots. He gets nothing underneath. And Desmond Ritter in his starts last year was literally leading the league in inaccurate pass rate at a quarterbacks with a hundred dropbacks. And the same stuff is happening yet again that was baked in this offseason. Kyle Pitts, of course, literally dead last among all tight ends and catchable pass rate because he's playing with Des Ritter, and he also yeah. leads the league in depth of target. Nothing has changed whatsoever. So you say 3,300, and I say get me to 2,500 and let's talk. All right, but but seriously, like, it doesn't – I mean, it's kind of silly to just go like, Oh, the deep threat, the volatile deep threat play hasn't hit yet. Therefore, like he's got to he's got to basically be stone men before I would have any interest. Like he's a volatile deep threat. You're going to go stretches and stretches where he doesn't hit. Now, putting him with Desmond Ritter does not help at all. It makes things much worse. And so, you know, odds are he doesn't do anything this week. But for 3,300, I'm getting a chance to like get there in like one play. At, at a position where nothing's going on. So efficiency to me does matter. And it comes back to his 3,300. It's the volatile deep threat on a bottom four rate of pass attempts for game. Like that's why well, I that, got that off. Like we, yeah, I don't like that we, either. We talked about DJ Shark last week, but then I got off DJ Shark when it was Bryce Young because I knew I was a losing efficiency and volume. So with Kyle Pitts from Desmond Ritter in the Falcons, we are losing efficiency and volume. That's why I argue against it. That's true. That's true. I love I love hosting so much. <laughs> also, TJ, uh, <laughs> you love hosting until you see that Johnny Smith is actually the cash game playing tight end this week, and I'm not kidding. I mean, not playing Johnny Smith. He's twenty nine hundred and eighty. Uh, dominates like you have to play him. In cash game, Zachers is fifty one hundred on Fanduel, thirty five hundred on DK. Um, don't overthink it. Take the tight end that leads all tight ends in target share this year. We have him as top two DK value. Oh, yeah, he's the cash um, man. I forgot about Zachers. Yeah, Zachers so, is so easy, easy slam dunk cash. Don't overthink that one. Still forgettable, but uh, play yeah, over ca Zachers. Cash is boring. We play boring players, and we just double our money every week in BD. Uh, Karain, who do you like uh, for a DST this week? We talked leverage. And everybody now, I, I want to hear guys. If you think I'm like missing something on this, this Bengals stuff, like, is this really such a good matchup that we're going to get Joe Burrow looking awesome this week without T Higgins? Like I'm like, Joe Burrow's really struggled. And now he lost T Higgins and I get that he gets this great matchup, but he's really struggled. Like it, he is down there with the worst quarterbacks in the league. When you look at success rate, EPA per play, like he has looked 
terrible. And and the thing he does best, that you know, throwing downfield is is where he's struggling. So, and, and defenses don't respect him right now. They're blitzing him at a, a much higher rate. Like all of this is like red flag after red flag. We get one good matchup with the Cardinals defense, and the field is like we're back in. So great. If you're back in, I'm going to play the Cardinals defense, and we'll see how that we'll see how it goes. That's that's how I'm going to play. They're so cheap too. I I keep looking at that. I'm like. What am I missing between Connor and Cardinals defense? Isn't that the way to play this game? Like, I love that. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe Joe Burrow is fine, but I mean, dude, he, he got pulled early last week because like he has nothing right now. He's clearly injured and shouldn't be out there. I, I, I sort of doubt that it can be this chalky. Like, do you, is this ownership going to hold? Like this feels like in small field stuff, like are people going to move off? Like, I, I don't I know. Think- I, I, I think we can see Mixon like come down. Like, there's just so many good running backs all of a sudden that I, I think maybe Mixon isn't as chalky as we think. But um, I think all the pass catchers in this game are are, are fifteen ish to twenty ish for sure. Because the Bengals have been passing a lot, so like this is from a defense perspective, like you're getting pass attempts against, and you're getting a struggling quarterback who just lost one of his best receivers, like. If we didn't know this was the Bengals, we'd be like, this is a smash spot. This is like we're it's a cheap D getting a ton of passing attempts and, and not. not efficiency. Like it's perfect. Uh yeah, I mean, ton of test pass attempts is how we score points. If we if we like Connor as the leverage play off of Bixon or just off of the, the players in this game in general, it makes sense to correlate him with the Cardinals. Like Cardinals Connor mini stacks, like let's go. And, um, and even they, even with the Bengals passing a lot, like I keep going back to those 49 attempts Burrow had against the Rams, and he averaged 5.3 yards per attempt. He had all the volume, but because he was injured, it didn't matter at all. So, like, I just I just keep thinking, does volume even scare me until Burrow Burrow like finally is healthy and shoves it down my throat because I I was one week too late. Like, do I mind being one week too late? I don't also, think so. Like Burrow needs to go nuclear for him to shove it down our right. throat, right? Like, yeah. like, like, what, what is yeah. he? What are we gonna miss if he goes for twenty five? Like, who cares? Right, right. Because it's you're right. Yeah, I think Cardinals um, makes sense. Yeah, um, big range of outcome games here, Daigle. But uh, your DST makes sense for that reason. The Broncos, as I mentioned earlier, Justin Fields career high in passing yards. First time he ever went over three hundred yards for his career. Looked amazing. They made him look like Joe Montana, but they quietly scored 13 fantasy points and were a top 12 defense in that game. So because we're getting volume, the Broncos defense can still get there. We've seen Zach Wilson play one good game in his entire career. and It was on prime time, which is suddenly making this game biased. Yeah. And let's not forget like this, these wide range of outcomes. That doesn't mean the Jets are a bad play. It's just a wide range of outcomes. You know, in the lineup where we don't play the Jets, um, Broncos can make sense. So I agree. Like both sides make sense in tournaments. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Titans are like the defensive play in cash games: thirty-five hundred Fanduel, twenty-four hundred DK. Um, they're favorites. They uh, they they are are super cheap and they open up a lot. Um, leave it up to us. The shortest slate of the year equates to the longest podcast of the year so far. But it's a damn good discussion, um, and hopefully the listeners and viewers agree. Um, shout out to Peter new member samson for the super sticker appreciate you guys a lot if you guys want to give back even more if you are listening on uh, audio whatever podcast platform you're listening on please give us a five-star rating and review goes a very long way and if you're watching on youtube please like 
the video, subscribe to the channel, make sure you hit that notification bell so you know when we are live. And remember, go into the description on YouTube for discounts on the DFS subscription. Code YouTube gets you 25% off the DFS sub. Once you do that, upgrade to the solver, the best optimizer in the land. And of course, sign up for Legendary Upside. Karain, one more time, what you got going on over there? Yeah, legendaryupside.com. You can sign up, read the walkthrough, head over there and, and check it out. The first three games, including uh, the Broncos, or sorry, the uh, the Dolphins game uh, with the Devin HN cover boy write up is, is all above the paywall. Uh, I also, the Legendary Upside podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to that free preview narrated by me. Um, premium subscribers get the whole thing narrated as, as part of the package. So head on over to legendaryupside.com. And reminder to uh, everyone that does sign up for that 444 subscription. Um, every week is important to be in Sunday morning Discord. This might be the most important one so far because so much is changing. So many players in similar ownership and salary ranges that we're really going to be down to the minute on deciding like what players we are over and underweight on. So make sure you are in that Sunday morning Discord. And follow us on the socials, X slash Twitter, whatever the hell you call it. Pat is at Pat Crane. Legendary Upside is at Legendary Upside. Daigle is at not J Daigle four for four at four for four football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys Sunday morning in that four for four discord.